love him. Let him know how much he means to you. Let him know how grateful he is. Let him know that he is who he is and who he said he will be in our hearts and our lives. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Are we ready to receive the word? Are our hearts open? Hallelujah. Minds are clear to receive the word. Minds clear to receive the words and hearts open. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Lord God, for our senior pastor. Dr. Apostle Susie and Howard. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. We praise you, Lord. Continue to shabak him. Continue to glorify him. Continue to praise him. Continue to tell him how much you love him. Hallelujah. people, people whose minds come in here, entering into courts and gates with thanksgiving and praise, that they know that they have a reason to praise our God, because God will keep those whose minds are stayed on him. Has your mind been stayed on him? I can tell Carmen's has. Has anyone else's mind been stayed on him? Hallelujah some of the best musicians this side of heaven. I heard Minister Vanessa this morning in the teaching in the Prophetic Intercessor Sunday School, she talked about a symphony when saints pray and touch and agree in prayer together. What an amazing symphony this is over here. You can tell that there's relationship here that they touch and agree together in the spirit. My God. Come on, y'all. Do it one more time for them. You know what's been my prayer to have saved men of God? I said I wouldn't bother just having musicians come if they're not born again. We just do it like we did when I first started the ministry. At the door, we'll hand out the songs for the day, and we'll come in here, and we'll just corporately sing together before I just have some gig performers in here reciting the praises up to Zion. Because when we come into service, we need yoke-breaking. Hallelujah. We need somebody that's going to give us some, some toe-tapping. Right? That's right. But musicians can do that. We want someone that's going to come in here and take us to a higher realm in God. Thank you, Lord. You can take your seats. Did all the ministers turn in their sermons, overseers? Well, how much time do we have left? Two days? All right, because I know in my, my prophetic clock, it's telling me that this stuff's supposed to be done. Two days. So by Tuesday, I'm going to have notification that all the ministers in this house have turned in sermons. Amen. Amen. How excited. Bless God. Minister Carmen did an awesome job up here. You invited us into your personal devotion. And then you exalted his name and you asked us to join in to that exaltation of the Lord. And it was beautiful, just beautiful. I was looking at the um, 
prophetic Sunday school this morning and uh, I kept saying, oh my God, another team leader, another team leader, another team, because I saw Minister Corindas and I saw her hand up. So I figured after three or four names, then it would be her name and it was another name and another name and another name. I said, how many teams did we have this morning? It's a good turnout. Wow, y'all better be some praying folks. Oh, that don't sound like praying folks to me. Wow. Because, you know, you, you think people in the flesh, they're going to fall out after a while. After three or four sessions or so, I want to sleep late. I want to stay in. Apostle ain't coming, you know, so I'm not going to come. But I heard team leader after team leader after team leader. And I said to Minister Maria, they're still calling team leader. Corinda still had her hand up. Then finally said Corinda's name. I said, wow, that's about the whole dynamics of the room, how many people were called on. I bless God for that. Sunday school is good in an apostolic church. Amen. Because we're putting scripture to application. Absolutely, right? Hallelujah. All right. We're going to continue in our God Conscious series, but this one um, we're called Renewing Your Mind. Renewing Your Mind. Becoming God Conscious and Renewing Your Mind. The scripture that I would like to give for today is coming from Romans 12 and 2. How many of y'all got Bibles? Real paper Bibles. So this is what I want y'all to do for yourself for Christmas present. I want y'all to go and order a Bible for your own Christmas present to you from you. Hallelujah. And I want you to go get a nice Bible that has paper on the inside with words on it. And I want you to go back to the days of highlighting. And I'm going to tell you why. Because psychologically, you retain more when you write something down or read something that has been written than you do by just opening up a gadget that has letters across it. Now, there are strengths in each of us that are different. Some learn by hearing. Some learn by doing. Some learn by seeing. There's different ways to learn, but psychologically, where we're all created equal, you learn better by writing or reading what's been written. Amen. I remember when um, Elder Lisa, and when she first started Bible school, she didn't like the grades that she was getting, Bible college. And then finally she said what she learned to do is, for, I think first she, re, she recessed or recited her notes, if you will, in a recording and would play it back to herself. And then she saw her grades come up. And then what did you tell me you wrote to? Or was it just? I wrote, you wrote and listened. Yep. And she's been getting straight A's ever since she found her technique for studying and learning. Amen. What is yours? We got to find it. It's important. Because some things appear to be hard, but it's because we haven't found the way we learn. And that's what the word is about today. Renewing your mind by learning. Learning. Israel left Egypt and it took 40 years to do something that God had given them to do because they didn't learn. And I'm going to talk briefly about the different ways to learn and the things that affect your mind and the learning and all the things that we do or participate in 
that causes us to actually live, not just sleep or have conversations or drive, but live in altered states of consciousness. Where you're not even conscious on the things that are happening around you. And when you spend too much time on the news, how many knows you can tell physically when it's time to turn the news off? It's just too much. You can tell physically when it's time to get away from social media. That's good warning signs. You can actually get past a place where your body doesn't notice anymore that your body has been giving you warning signs. That it's time to get away from something. It's time to pull away from something. Maybe there's a bigger message there that you're missing. Or maybe it's feeding your flesh so much that your spirit man is being squashed out, if you will. So we're going to talk about renewing your mind by learning. Do you know that Jesus was a teacher? We probably didn't know that he was also a psychologist. Or what they call today as psychologists. Jesus wrote the book of psychology. He told us how to live. He showed us how to live. He gives us secrets and messages and prescriptions all throughout this word of God. But yet as believers, we still are stuck in phases of doubt, worry, confusion, moving five steps forward, ten steps backwards, and it all because we're not renewing our mind. You cannot have the same mind in Christ that you had when you gave your life to Christ. It's a renewing of the mind. Imagine being in love with somebody for what they did when you dated them. And now you're married to them. Ain't nothing happening. But I'm still in love from the dating days. There has to be a renewal of those things that you did. I remember my pastor years ago, he preached, do you love me like you used to love me when you first loved me? And I remember he preached how what you do to get her, man, you got to keep doing to keep her. I never forgot that sermon because he related it to his relationship with God. How many of us would stay with God if when we first dated God, that's all he ever did for us? And we have to keep reciting our testimony from the 60s and the 80s to keep us in a relationship now with him. God blesses those who keeps their mind stayed on him God is always wanting to be in the present in the current he always wants to continually give more miracles more sign he even offers conflict to bring us to a place to go to him and not run from him he's constantly doing things to if you will perfect that relationship that he has with us or that which he started in us Romans 12 and 2 it says do not conform to the pattern of this world that right there needs to be an in-service on right there somebody needs to do a message right there do not conform to the pattern of this world first I would want you to tell me what is the pattern of the world so that I can begin to reflect and see myself in the patterns of the world have I conformed to the patterns of the world then he tells us but instead but be ye transformed by the renewing, renewing, that means ongoing, ongoing, ongoing of your mind. Some of y'all have underestimated your minds. You have closed doors and put limits on what you can learn, what God can do with you. Then the word says, then you will be able to test and approve who God's, what God's will is. I love this last part. 
his good, pleasing, and perfect will. See, when your mind isn't renewed from the pattern of the world, you can't see God is good. I have a client that says following Christ is just so hard and it's just like everybody else gets more blessed and everybody else is living a different way. I said, well, do you want to live the way these people that you see that you believe are blessed? Well, no. I said, so why did your mind go there and try to convince you that these people are living a better life than you? Because you can't have something you want or more specifically someone that you want because you can't have him. You think everyone else who's living in sin and sleeping around and getting what they want are actually living a better life than you. She says, I absolutely do not believe that. So why are you saying that? She had begun to convince herself. She had begun to grab a pattern of the world instead of being transformed by a renewal of her mind. How do you renew your mind? You've got to be in the word of God. You have to read your word. You have to be in prayer. Because what God will give you on paper, he will also give you in rhema. He will give you in the spirit. When I was first born again, I couldn't get into the Bible. The King James drove me crazy. And I asked God to help me. And he began to give me scriptures in the realm of the spirit that I have to look up in the word of God. God understands that we all have different ways of learning and hearing so that our minds can be renewed. So he would give me things and I would go and I'd look and we didn't have Googled in. So we really had to look. When somebody had a sermon back then, they had a sermon. I didn't have to run it through because I run y'all stuff just so y'all get warned now. I run everybody's sermons through a plagiarism website. So some of y'all been busted. I ain't going to call y'all. I'm going to look at the floor. Because we got lazy with the word of God. We didn't have Google. Safari. Firefox. We didn't have none of that stuff. We had to bring books out, didn't we? And I mean books. Because with us, our pastor would say, well, you preached a really good sermon, but you got me stuck at the beginning. You used a word that I didn't understand. So I couldn't connect the rest of your sermon. So you can really speak too highly and lawfully over people and then you have an audience here and they don't understand what you're talking about. So you have to bring your sermon down in the layman's term so that your audience can follow what you're teaching. So we'd have to get what's called a concordance out. Have y'all heard of that? And we had to make sure that we weren't using the word for our own understanding. We had to make sure that the Hebrews agreed with the Greeks, the Old Testament and the New Testament, so that when we taught it, we were accurately applying the word of God. Because I've heard sermons where people took an interpretation of a word. I think y'all even showed me one a little while ago. Took an interpretation of a word and preached a sermon around it. And people were excited and shouting and dancing because the sermon was good, but it was wrong. Learning. Let me give you the definition of learning. I gave it to you before a couple weeks ago. I'm going to give it to you again today. Learning is any relatively permanent. Somebody say permanent. Change in behavior brought about by experience or practice. Learning is anything or any relatively permanent change anybody looking for permanent change you got to learn in behavior brought about uh-huh 
by experience or practice. Someone shout back at me what I just said. Mm-hmm. Experience or practice. What have you learned lately? I want someone, maybe there's a ram in the bush in here somewhere, that can share something you know you learn because it has affected permanent change in your behavior. Who has it? Tasha and then Gwen. So you've learned about tithing and it's brought about a permanent change in you with what areas? Your relationship? Financial? Your belief? Mm-hmm. Very good. Beautiful. Bless God. Come on, let's bless the Lord. Minister Gwen, permanent change in behavior because you learned something. My permanent Yeah, but don't give me a testimony. I need an answer. I got to stay on task. What was your experience that changed your behavior permanently? Permanently, the experience that changed my behavior. Yeah. Is when I developed the symptom. Yeah. And I had to change my behavior and listening mm -hmm. to my body. Okay. Because my body, our bodies talk to us all the time. Okay. So you've learned through experience yeah. to listen to your body. To listen to my body. And you're telling us that this is a permanent change. experience with God that changed your behavior how you're going to be not anybody else your behavior is that correct amen amen uh oh I have a sermon coming about that one too what murmuring and complaining does to us spiritually and psychologically this real amen thank you minister Joel anxiety 
Come on. Yep. Yep. My God. My God. And that's a true testimony. Anxiety is stress, worry, and fear. You want to know when you're not consciously focused on God? Stress, worry, and fear is what causes your anxiety. If you focus back on God, can you imagine when Peter had to walk on water? He walked with no problem. The Bible said until he went to his own site. So when he went to his own site, he had some stress, some worry, or some fear. What you think he had? I'm going to say all of the above because one might bring the other ones in, right? They're cousins in them. I might have got a little fear. Then I started worrying, and then it brought on my stress. So when we're not focused on God, everything that we're focused on has nothing to do with God. Nothing to do with God. Damien, you have one? Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There you go. Practice. Mm-hmm. Very good. And that's sometimes you got to tell yourself every day, right? Sometimes a couple times a day. Because if you don't know when anxiety looks like, you won't know you even have anxiety. Because everyone thinks it's that, <gasps> that overwhelming shortness of breath. It's this, it's this new movie out on, um, on Apple Plus, um, something about the shrink. I forgot the name of it. I don't know if anybody watched it yet. And it's about a, a, a nutty shrink. And um, to me, he's actually very good. He's just unorthodox. But they call him a nutty shrink because he does very unorthodox procedures with his client. And he has um, Will Ferrell as his client. And Will Ferrell has high anxiety where he gets so heated with fear, he passes out. And he'll go to parties and events and anxiety will come over him and he'll have to call a cab and he's running out to, to leave the place and then here comes the psychiatrist. I can't f remember the psychiatrist's name, but he just won Best Looking Man in America. Yeah, Paul, what is it? Rudd, Paul Rudd, I like his acting as well. Um, but it's very interesting. I love when they take real life things and they bring it into a comedic sense because it makes you pay attention to it. You have something? Go ahead. Most important. We don't even understand how heavy in the Christian faith it is to know that God loves you. There's people in the church for 30, 40 years that have not taken on the principle of God's love. They struggle with it. And that's the most dangerous person to get into a relationship with. Because if you are with someone who has not received God's love, there is no love for themselves. I promise you. 
It is built on what they do for themselves and outcomes and how everyone else treats them. And then when you have someone who has received the love of Christ, now they love themselves. Not only can they love you, but they can now believe you love them. So y'all women and men who's going away to that retreat, you better start realizing how important it is to date people who know that they are loved. Even if they're not in Christ yet, but y'all can't bring those type to me. You have to bring the ones that are in Christ, but we're not doing that. Y'all stressed me out enough the first 15 years. I ain't doing this with y'all. You better sneak and get married because I ain't in it. I won't marry you. I made, a, I made a vow to myself. I ain't marrying folks that I know ain't supposed to be married in Christ. I just ain't doing it. Got the bulletproof vest. I just ain't doing it. Y'all could call the pastors in the house. They can practice on you. But y'all bringing this immature stuff. And then the church takes a hit because y'all want to get out. When you don't know that marriage sometimes will bring brokenness, sickness, adultery. You gonna, It could bring lack of sexual ability. This is what covenant is. So, you know, you get in covenant and then every time we turn around, you want to divorce or you want to exit plan. You want this. Hello, somebody. This is what relationship is. So stay in your contract where you can call it. What's the thing they call it? Something ship. Situation ship. I knew the singles would know. Y'all stay in your situation ship because relationship is going to call everything up out of you to come out. Demons you ain't even know was in you will come out. Stay in your situationship. Don't bring them here. Because if someone has does not have the capacity to love you, you're going to spend your whole life trying to get them to love you. And it's not your problem. And the woman or the man they had before you that they talked about with you that convinced you you're going to be better than that one. It ain't about the 19 before you or the four after you. The problem is within them. If they cannot love themselves, if they have not been raised and loved by a man as a man, come on, sir. If you are a man that have not been loved by a man and you have not been loved by God, your capacity to receive love is almost zero to not happening. That's why everything is either gay or straight to you. The Bible gave us examples of Jonathan, of David and what was the name? David and Jonathan gave us an example. Today, people take that text and say that was a gay relationship. Because we have not learned the importance of being a man, being loved by a man. Oh, my God. You know the power in that? Y'all talked about that the other night? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Men. And y'all still men. Woo! Come on, Jesus. Come on. Masculinity. He said, I spoke to my masculinity. <laughs> yes, sir. Absolutely. You have to be. It is detrimental to us. So because of the fall and all the dysfunction in family, God made it so that we can receive his love. And when you receive God's love as a man, from a man, it changes your whole dynamic of your relationship. You know you are loved. 
There's a different fraternity in you. When we did unmasking masculinity and all the attacks against masculinity, one of the things we talked about is how important it is for men to be in fraternity. Men need love women. They're just scared of us. And they're not scared of us because we're tough. They're scared of us because we're mean. All right, I'm going to go back to my stuff. Husbands, can y'all help me out? You seen Bernard? That might be a long ride home. <laughs> quick, quick. Oh, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. I can't wait for the singles retreat. I am so ready for y'all. So if you know, okay, everyone in here so far has given me experience. Who has a practice? Who has read something or studied something that has changed you? Go ahead, Chris. Danielle, you too? Okay. Okay. Wow. Yeah. 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 Yes. Focus is unlimited. Absolutely. Beautiful. By the word. Danielle? Okay. Here you go. Good girl. Yes. Yes. Beautiful. Thank you. So when people learn anything, who's over here? When people learn anything, some part of their brain is physically changed. Yes, whenever we learn anything, a part of our brain, that organ, not just our mind, which is, you know, it, it's not an organ. Our brain is an organ. Our brain, the organ is changed when we learn. So what have you learned? What have you learned? What have you read or sat under that you actually learned something, that your brain is changing and growing? When people learn anything, some part of their brain is physically changed, listen to this, to record what they have learned. To record what they have learned. So it shows that y'all learned something because memory kicked in to remind you that you've learned something. Are y'all with me so far? Okay. Go ahead. That's right. That's right. Yeah. There you go. And that's how we're supposed to see it. Again, one of the questions on the five-fold assessment. Are you able to see the world through a biblical worldview? 
or are you still seeing the world through patterns? Let's just say, for example, you've had abortions, so therefore you have a conviction that you cannot believe that abortions are not of God or abortions should not be permissible to a woman. You believe that because you had, you had one. So your conviction is still that you haven't been forgiven for the abortions that you had. So you formed a pattern of the world by believing that this life started because of you by yourself, because that's what Roe versus Wade was about. He wanted to show that men should have some rights about the seed they put in a woman. Once he gives her the seed, she gets to decide whether it lives or die. She gets to decide who she claims the father is. I'll close my eyes. She gets to decide whether she's taking the child support court and he don't even know the baby was born. I know all of these instances where women didn't even tell the man she was pregnant until he got a letter to go to court and pay child support. All the power was put in her hand because the seed was put in her. But who put the seed in her? So what's, your, what's, what's having a biblical worldview on abortion that we know Christ doesn't like versus the worldview that you have because maybe you're convicted because you had one? How do you have Christ's view of abortion when you in your mind feel like abortion should be a woman's choice? How many think it should be a woman's choice? Y'all not in church right now. You're free to acknowledge it. How many believe abortion is a woman's choice? Thank you for your honesty. You believe that it's a woman's choice. How many in here believe that abortion is God's, should be God's choice? That's a big deal. That's a big deal. That's having a biblical worldview. Even though I had an abortion, I take on a biblical worldview on something that I did, maybe because I didn't know any better, or maybe because I was such a jam, I was willing to sin against God, whatever it is. Do y'all get me? Yeah. Having a biblical worldview. When you are a Christian and you're God conscious, you have to see things biblically, even the things you did or currently do that are wrong. David was confessing, I'm a wretch undone. I'm making a mess of things. And God was able to say, but that's a man under my own heart. This man is after me. He's after my heart. David didn't act like he wasn't sinning. David confessed to everything. Even when the prophet showed up, because see, David shut out God's voice because he didn't want to hear anymore that which was already convicting him. So Christ, God sent, was it Nathan, the prophet to him. This is when prophets come, y'all, when we ain't listening to what God should have already given us. Prophets come when you have been avoiding or ignoring the voice of God. A prophet should never come in here and tell you something that blows your mind. The only time they do that is because you have chosen to shut God out or you are not spending any time with God anymore that he doesn't even see you as a place that he could bring in biblical worldviews to earth's affairs. David knew. When the prophet came, David knew. When God told him, I'm taking your firstborn kid for what you did, David didn't argue with God. He didn't say, all the things I've done for you, God, Y'all ever say that one to God? <laughs> I used to say, all the things I do for you, I got to go through this. That was my cry. I'm glad y'all don't have that one, but that was me. All the stuff I put up for you. 
got to go through this? Then when the prophet told him what was going to happen with his firstborn child, David didn't get vexed with God. He used the principles of God to see if he could reason and barter with God. He put on his prayer cloth. He got the sackcloth, sackcloth and the ashes out. And he said, I'm going to use biblical principles. And I'm going to see if God going to let me barter for my son. Because he tried to barter with Lot. He tried to barter. What was the king? Hezekiah had asked for 15 more years. God, they know that God will barter with you. And that's not God being repentant. When you go to God using godly principles, you get God's attention. God's not moved by your problems, your worries, or your fears. God is moved by your faith. So when you go to God and you're using godly principles, you could get God being like, right, David, you slept with your, this woman that wasn't yours. You shouldn't have did it, but I love you. All right, David, you're going to kill your best friend. But how do you get to do that kind of stuff in God and still remain in position? But David knew. He said, is my son dead yet? They said, yes, sir, your son is dead. David got up, wiped off the ashes, ashes threw off the sackcloth, and what did he say? Let's eat. God took his son. God didn't get, David didn't get stuck on the fact, God took my son, I'm never going to serve him again. I'm never going to that church again. David said, God won. I'm a, I'm a guilty man. I'm a wretch undone. David went from having a worldview to having a God-conscious biblical view that I'm in God, I got to behave in God, and these are consequences when you bring covenant in God. Having a biblical worldview. Even when I'm not able to walk it out, I know what the principles of God say. Are y'all with me? This is the process of memory. Without the ability to remember what happens, people can't learn anything. Alzheimer's patients, they, they give them little things that just kind of keep the memory triggered. Because without the memory, you can't learn anything. And some patients with Alzheimer's, everything is, is reset. They don't know where their bedroom is. They'll leave their bedroom trying to go to the bathroom and they end up outside somewhere. And it's more about memory. So you have to start praying, putting your hands on your brain. Because I don't know if y'all notice, it's something in the food or something that they've taken out of our food, but Alzheimer's is on the rise like never, ever statistically seen before. And I don't think we have the nutrients in our food that we used to have. We used to, they used to say an apple a day keeps the doctor away. Why an apple? What's in an apple? Vitamin what? Vitamin what? Vitamin A? C, so taking vitamin C that y'all go to buy from GNC, if the old folks would have said, eat an apple, you get your vitamin C. So that's why an apple a day keeps the doctor away. Teaches us how to eat. Now we just go and buy tablets made in a lab somewhere instead of eating apples. And then, now, I don't know about y'all, but I went to Walmart to get some fruit a little while ago. Fruit with no seeds. The Bible says in the book of Genesis, everything he created, he created with seed-bearing fruit. Which means I've given everything in this earth the power to reproduce of its own kind after its own self. If it doesn't have seeds in it, who made it? 
So do we even recognize the fact that, what do we get out of watermelon? I know water. It, it, what else? Anything else? Huh? Sugar. Sugar, we need that. Healthy sugar. And we need the water. So if you're thirsty, sometimes, do you know that sometimes you will crave food? And you're not craving it because you really feel like scallops. You're craving it because of a nutrient in it that your body needs. Look how wonderfully he's made us. You ever desire a fruit or a certain vegetable? It's not that thing. It's the nutrient in it. Your body doesn't know that you're eating asparagus from eating Brussels sprouts. All it knows is the nutrients that is within that food your brain needs, your neurotransmitter needs to send it to the rest of your body. Pay attention to your body. Your body's talking to you and telling you things. You don't need to go to GNC. An apple a day. If y'all don't remember nothing else from my sermon today. There's a process called memory. We need our memory. What was my point in going there? Some of this fruit that's being made, I believe the vitamins that were in it originally are no longer in the fruits. When you get strawberries this big, when cows are mutating faster and chickens are mutating faster than ever before so that they can shoot them up with all of these steroids and chemicals so they can produce faster, so they can make bigger ones, so they can sell them faster, so we can buy them faster, and then we gain in weight. We got eight-year-olds with breasts and menstrual periods because all these hormones and antibiotics and all these things that are going in their body that men put in. There's so many testimonies about people online who are diagnosed with multiple sclerosis, diagnosed with cancers, changed their eating habits, didn't go to Jesus, they didn't know Jesus, changed their eating habits and have a clean bill of, bill of health from the doctor's office. And guess what? They weren't in remission. It never came back because of the way they ate. Who taught us how to eat right? It's in the Bible. He told us that we're kings. If we're kings, why are we eating Burger King? There is actually a process. Wendy's, McDonald's, y'all want to go there, Chick-fil-A. I'm telling you though, statistically, I think I talked to the Bonners about it. There's something going on right now where people are being diagnosed with Alzheimer's like never before. And I don't know about y'all, but for me to live without a memory, I'd rather not be here. I don't want anybody having to take care of me. I don't want anybody having to bathe me, anybody having to look for me. The life, quality of life is over for me. I don't want to be here. And people are getting Alzheimer's early and younger than ever before. If you don't become God conscious with your eating, with your application of the life that he's given you, you're going to be trusting your life in the hands of somebody else. And I don't want to hear this runs in the family. You are no longer a part of that family. You have been redeemed by the blood of the lamb. You are no longer a creature of the Johnsons or the Daleks or the Howards or the Edwards. You are no longer, you have a new DNA system running through you. If you pick up the word and allow the word to be a nutrient to you, this isn't just some magical teaching. This stuff has been found to be truth and truth tested. People who do not believe in God will follow the principles of the word of God. And they will get the same benefit. 
There's also something called the law of effect. The law of effect. We haven't even gotten off the fourth paragraph. And I thought I was going to finish half of this today. The law of effect. When there's a change in behavior due to experience. The law of effect. Some of us learn. <sighs> Valine, some of us learn by the law of effect. That's when there is a change in behavior due to experience. Anybody want an example? What happens when you touch a hot stove? And what happens after you get burned? And then what happens after you get a scar? It stays forever. And then what happens with you? You have a change in behavior. What are you no longer going to do? How many y'all in here only learn by being burnt by the stove? There are so many more reasonable, wiser, more intelligent, mature ways to learn. How many speeding tickets you got to get? How many times you got to fly over speed bumps before your alignment is knocked off? How many times you have to get an alignment because you fly over speed bumps? How many times? Well, I'm sure there's something else for you. What are some of the things? Learn yourself. I'm helping you learn yourself. I wish we were in a weekend workshop where we could actually take this time and work this out. What are some of the things in your life that you are not learning by practicality, by contextually reading, or the wise folks over you telling you, child, I done dated that type right there. I'm telling you. Don't do it. And you're like, nobody going to tell me what to do. So you live the law of effect. You wait till you experience something before you realize this is not the way I want to live my life. This is not the way I want to learn. Anybody in here tired? So tired. Because you're living a life by effect. You're waiting for something bad to happen every time before you learn anything. Somebody over on this side of the room said they got burned. They got scarred. The scar lasts forever. How long? How long? Before we learn. Now we're given an example of a stove. What is it in your life? Metaphorically is the stove. What choices do you keep making over and over and over? And basically the same thing keeps happening, but you keep doing it anyway. Hoping for a greater effect or believing that eventually God's going to bless you and make it not work against the law of effect. Laws came from God. What's your stove? Let me hear some stuff. You ain't got to make a confession. Just shout some stuff out. Huh? Credit cards. Come on. Get free. Huh? Overspending. Come on. Eating. Relationships. Come on, them demons is coming out today. I'm glad the window's open because them demons is going right out them windows. Procrastination. Procrastination over here. I got a procrastination over there. 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 Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. Come on, we got a whole lot of procrastination leaving this place today. Shopping. Eating. Well. 
hope the Lord heard you. So let me be clear on something as we move down to get quarter of a way before I'm done. I want to be clear with you today that not all change comes through learning. Okay? For example, hopefully there's some changes in your height since you were born. Mm-hmm. Hopefully there's some change in your brain since you were born. Y'all know more than putting a bottle in your mouth, right? Please tell me y'all learned something more than that. There's some genetic blueprinting in us that causes us to have maturation in areas that we didn't have when we were five. Please tell me y'all seen some of that. What did we call that last week? Uh, that's, that's very biblical worldview. Absolutely. Very good. Huh? Arrested development. A retarding of a cell that God has given you and you're not using it. I want to add this learning component to you, and I'm glad I got here because this is where I'm going to have to stop. <laughs> Woo! Uh-huh. I want to add this learning component on drugs. Because we seem to always talk about the people who we see the effects of drugs on. But we seem to miss the people that have a worser effect on their life from drugs. See, it's easy to call somebody a crackhead when you look at them. It's easy to call somebody a meth head when you look at them or a pothead when you look at them. But what about the people who do not have a physical dependency to drugs? See, we're talking about learning today. We're talking about renewing our minds today, right? Not all drugs cause a physical dependence. A physical dependence would be when I go on a Daniel's fast and I have to stop coughing. And by the third day, Jesus didn't get up. My head is p -p 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 pounding from a caffeine withdrawal. Anybody with me here? Or when you have to give up the soda on a Daniel's fast. The first three days of a Daniel's fast is the worst. If you can make it past three days, I promise you, you'll make it. Them first three days when Jesus had to get up, I, I have an idea, a small inkling of what it felt like them three days for Jesus. I'm telling you, because your body's craving sugar and you got the shakes, mood swings more than a pregnant woman. I promise you, the first three days of a Daniel's fast, not y'all TV fast and, and y'all um, gonna walk three days fast. I'm talking about a no preservatives, no sugar, no medication, fat. Your body is flipping out. Your body is at enmity with God. Because it wants what you've been feeding it. What has been making it tick. What has been making it work. That's a physical dependency. And it is easy to see people who have a physical dependency to something. But what about those who have a different dependency? Let's talk about that before we go home today. Some actually have a psychological dependence. Mm-hmm. Psychological dependence. My body may like a drink about a certain hour of the day. My body may like to smoke at a certain hour of the day. My body may want coffee as soon as I get up in the morning. But that's a physical thing. 
That's why you treat drug addictions differently. And by the way, I would like to start a drug addiction recovery in this church. So if you feel that is you, please see one of the pastors and give them your name. We can talk to you. We will pay for your training if you feel this is you. It would be best if you had gone through it because you are more convincing on what you've gone through than somebody who hasn't. But there's actually a psychological dependence. Listen to this. The belief that a drug is needed to continue a feeling of emotional or psychological well-being. I see that in some dating relationships. They have that toxic mindset, those 10 toxic thoughts. Where now like, Without him, I'm going to die. Mm -hmm. Physical dependence versus psychological dependence. What is it psychologically that you're depending on? Being God conscious is psychologically depending on God. You see how he doesn't want idols? You see how your coffee, your, your sodas, your intoxicating ingredients becomes an idol to him? Because they alter your consciousness. And that's why people think, we talked about this last week, we talked about people who have altered states of consciousness due to intakes of sugar or drugs. And they swear that they hear from God. Better high then they do sober. And you know why? Because you are now being used as a medium. And you are using a medium. You didn't go to the, 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 the palm reader. You didn't go to the magic ball reader. You didn't go to the one who wants you to put certain things in certain cups at certain times of the day or repeat certain whatever them things they call certain times of the day. You didn't do that. But what you're using is taking a medium Instead of going through God through a Holy Spirit place, you're going to God through a contaminated, perverted soul place. God, let me tell you, God doesn't talk to our soul. He talks to our spirit. And our spirit relays the information to our soul. That's why we are in enmity with God. It is our soul that is in enmity with God. What part of us does God talk to us on? Our spirit. Do they not call... The liquor stores. Come and get your wine and your. I can go a little higher, but I ain't going to go there today. There's a learning component here on drugs, y'all. All drugs, even the ones the doctors give us. There's a, there's a learning component on it because genetically it is altering who we are in God. I don't want to go too far because there's some people that's going to stop it immediately and you're not ready for immediate stop. So I got to chill because you got a mixed group here. So the learning component that I want to add to you today is having a psychological dependence on anything, anything but God. Understand this. This is a very powerful factor in continued drug use. The body may not crave the drug so people may not experience the symptoms of a physical withdrawal I ain't an addict I ain't got no shakes my mouth ain't all dry I ain't grinding on my teeth I'm not looking for that drug I'm not no addict really learning right we're talking about learning right 
Some of y'all are going to get free today in Jesus' name. Because the body isn't craving a thing or a drug, and you may not be experiencing the symptoms of a physical withdrawal or the tolerance of that, you will continue to use the drug because you think you need it. You think you need it. And when you go to the doctor and they convince you that you need to be on something long-term, Caritha, is she in here? You had diabetes, and they told you to take this stuff for a long, long time, right? And what happened? What'd you do? Before you stopped, what did you do? Changed her diet. So they put in her mind which is the governmental system that runs everything in our body, they put in her mind that she was going to need this diabetic pill the rest of her life. She decided to change her diet, start getting exercise. Am I telling your story correctly? Started getting exercise. Are you still on the medication? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Back down again. So you can't control this whole situation by changing what? So some things are learned by experience. Some things are learned by practice. If you believe you need something, belief. Did we get talk about belief last week? If you believe you need something, your body is going to respond to your belief. I got to cut it short because we already entered the time clock. There's a part of our brain, I know Dr. Vanessa knows, and I know Dr. Corindus knows, even though she's supposed to be a lawyer. This is due to the reward system. The reward system. There's a reward system part of our brain, right? And in the classes that I have taken, they call it the James Brown Center. It's the part of your brain that get up, get up, get up, get up now. It's the James Brown. That's what they teach us in class. And when you think of this part of your brain, you think of James Brown. So what they, how they connected the whole class was very helpful in, in learning it and it registering with us, right? So what we learn is when you start giving your body alternate chemicals, then the ones already intended for you, the parts of your body that's supposed to release the chemicals either lowers the release of it or stops releasing it altogether. So you become dependent on the feeling because the body no longer makes you happy. You are no longer happy with yourself. You gotta light up because you don't love yourself enough to be alone with yourself. And now you don't know how deep it is because it's chemically dependent. I can't be by myself or uh, the reward system. I had dealt with this a lot in ministry. People who believe after they work all week, they got a right to get high. Get high. Now I worked all week. I deserve to praise the Lord. <laughs> it's a belief, right? You work all week. I deserve to get drunk and not make it home and crash a car. It's a belief system. And when you learn it and you believe it, you live it out. And you may not have a physical dependency to it. You may be able to get up. You ever get drunk with people who can get up next morning and go to work like nothing happened? Yes. And you'll be like, oh, man, I'm hit. Hey, how y'all doing? No, I'm fine. I'm at work. I had breakfast this morning. And you hear breakfast and you throwing up. There's a complete, what'd you say? Cavassier? <laughs> that wasn't even her drink, y'all. I know her drink. We already cleaned that system up. 
So just because your body isn't craving something doesn't mean you don't have a dependence on it. Are y'all hearing me? Because this reward system in your brain, you have altered the original will and intent of God. You have altered purpose of your body. Listen to this. I'm almost done for today. The hardest addict to help is not the person physically addicted, but the person psychologically dependent on a thing. Y'all, y'all don't hear me name no drug, right? The hardest addict or the hardest addiction to help is not the person physically addicted, but the one psychologically dependent. This is true teaching. I'm almost there. Y'all good still? Psychological dependency on anything can last a lifetime. You will never get that person free. And you wonder why some people come into the church and they're cleaned up right away. Some people go through 12 steps and they're cleaned up right away. And some people are called functioning addicts throughout their whole life. They're drunks and they go to work. They're at work high. And then what ends up happening is if they ever decide to get cleaned up, their body begins to have a physical response and their body begins to break down because what you used to give it, it no longer gets. So now your body's not functioning right. You got aches in your body you never had. You got dreams and nightmares you never had. It does a lot to you. Psychological dependency. What are you psychologically addicted to? This is where I'm going to have to stop. Because I'm coming against the things that come against your consciousness in God. So there's a positive reinforcement. Let me tell you about the positive reinforcement. The tendency of a behavior to strengthen when followed by a pleasurable consequence. Positive reinforcement. What enforces this behavior positively? The tendency of a behavior to strengthen when followed by a pleasurable consequence. I feel better. My anxiety's gone. I laugh for a couple hours, then I gotta light up again or smoke up again or go see this person again, whatever it is. A negative reinforcement. It's when something that is negative strengthens your belief that taking a thing will lower your levels of anxiety. And a lot of us in Christ have negative reinforcements and positive reinforcements. Are y'all hearing me? Because some of y'all like, you're fighting the message and you need it. Hear me, you need it. Negative reinforcement is when your belief that taking a drug will lower levels of anxiety. There's a negative thing reinforcing. What's the negative thing? You believe that taking this bad thing will lower the level of your anxiety. These are all hindrances to your consciousness. And this is why you're like this in the church. You're up and down. You're up and down. You're like a graph. And we can pretty much, some of these spirits, some of these learned behavior, personality traits, we can tell about what month of the year they begin to happen. I worked in HR all my life. So I've worked with spreadsheets and pie charts all the time. I started pie charting 
my leaders. And I began to find out every year when they were going to drop assignments, when they were going to complete things, when they were going to be getting moody, if they had any kind of idolatry or addictions in their life, when they're going to happen. So every year we started praying against the same behavior happening because it wasn't physical. We couldn't see that we had addictions in us or within us. But we could tell psychologically something was going on with the people that it became predictory. We can predict when it was going to happen. Kind of like the L. Roker weather system. Are y'all with me? There is an effect from every drug you use. My doctor only had to tell me one time that you need to start losing some weight. She called me a high achiever. She said, you're not in menopause yet? I said, nope. She said, why aren't you in menopause? I said, I think my husband's praying against it. <laughs> I said, somewhere in his mind, we're going to be Sarah and Abraham, and I'm going to produce a little Bernard. So there's a war in the spirit between us. Release. So she said, oh, you're a high achiever. She said, so let me teach you this. She said, at some point, menopause is going to come. You don't have to get the symptoms, but menopause is going to come. Menopausal weight is the worst weight. She said, it's not based on what you eat. Men, you get this too, just so you know. It's not based on what you eat. It's not based on how active you are. It's the release or the, the no more release of certain hormones and chromosomes and chemicals in your body that cause weight gain. She said, you look all right, but if menopause kick in, you're going to have some problems. On you. She only had to tell me one. I don't like when people have to tell me something I need to be doing for myself. I don't like it. Anybody else got that kind of pride? You ain't got to tell me twice that I have a behavior that is not good or not that one that I'm not going to benefit from. She told me one time, after I rebuked the scale, I rebuked that scale. I hope that scale broke. Yesterday I went somewhere with Minister Misha, and they had a medical-grade scale in the place. So Misha's walking around, talking, doing her thing, and I'm, Misha, take my pocketbook. Misha, take my planner. Misha, take my phone. Misha, standing there, you want me to take your shoes? I'm not just going to leave the shoes on. Glasses, watch, what you want me to take? I hit that little joker back. I said, I don't weigh what she said I weighed. I was happy by about 10 pounds. 10 pounds blessed me yesterday. We have to be in a place, right, through experience or education, information, instruction, we learn something about it. I don't want to start having symptoms in my body because I'm so addicted to the food that I eat that I don't physically depend on it, but I psychologically depend on it because it tastes mm -mm good. That's a psychological dependence. And if I'm a believer of the way, why do I need a doctor to tell me something that I should know myself? That's why a lot of y'all don't like Kevin Samuels. That's why a lot of y'all don't like him.
him. And that's the battle of a lifetime. Hindrances to consequences. I'm sorry, hindrances to consciousness. As we learn, drugs produce altered states of consciousness. They alter your perception. Christ said, I don't want you drinking until drunkenness because your perception is off and you can no longer hear me. He tells us why. He didn't say, because it's a sin. He said, no, 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 no. I need y'all to save this stuff for celebrations and holidays and you need to do it with your family. No one should see a man exposed of his nakedness. That means showing all his stuff, showing his ignorance in front of people. This is where I'm going to end. Isaiah 26 and 3. I'll read it for you and we'll catch it up next week. Isaiah 26 and 3. You will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you and all whose thoughts are fixed. You hear the word fixed? Not broken. Fixed on you. Isaiah 26 and 3. Let's read it. You will keep in, go ahead. All who trust in you and all whose thoughts are fixed on you. Let me give you these four things. Let me drop it real quick. Stimulants. Stimulants. I don't care, devil. Stimulants. Depressants. Hallucinogens. Stimulants. Depressants. Hallucinogens. First, I want anybody who is willing to be um, vulnerable. If you recover from any kind of drug addiction, I want you to stand to your feet. Let's go. Clap. Come on, come on, come on, come on. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. For all of you online, standing in your homes, we bless God for you. We bless God for breaking the cycle of not just a physical dependence but a psychological dependence for whatever reason it is we honor you today take your seats stimulants cocaine crack tobacco coffee tea energy drinks we bind dependency on stimulants that come to release us to an altered state of consciousness in God, which are all amphetamines, cocaine, nicotine, and caffeine. Same list. Tobacco is nicotine, coffee, tea, energy drinks, caffeine, cocaine and crack, cocaine. How do you say it, Vanessa? Meta, fentamine, that top one right there. Yeah, methamphetamine. Thank you, Dr. Kareem. Speed, Ritalin, all amphetamines. Depressants. Y'all ready? Barbiturates, which is nebutal. And something second all, y'all might know it. Valium, Xanax, Halcyon, Ativan, Rohypanol all depressants beer 
wine, spirits, all depressants. Yet the enemy convinces us, yeah, happy hour is really happy hour. Opium, morphine, heroin, depressants. We have pastors in this house. We have doctors in this house that can counsel you to help you get off the dependency of these things. And after counsel, we'll do healing and deliverance with you. Because the world doesn't understand that after a natural process of, of unnatural things like this, there's a spiritual thing that has happened to you. And we've got to pray that the enemy be rebuked from your life and every part of your being is put back into place the way God intended it to be originally. So you may not be delivered from crack, but still have the behaviors of an addict. Are y'all hearing me? Hallucinogens, which means a distorted consciousness, an altered perception, LSD, PCP, MDMA, ecstasy, marijuana, and mind you, y'all want to trust in the legal systems? I said last week we got to come out of Babylon, right? Lab created is LSD. Lab created. The government made it for its people. When you study, Chris said, when you study the kingdom, do you know if we were under a king, a king is concerned about the well-being of his citizens. A democratic government is not concerned about its citizens. It's concerned about its money. We are under a democratic government. Even if it's a Republican government, it's a government. Man-made, LSD, can't blame a drug dealer. PCP, man-made, lab-created, ecstasy, lab created all to distort our consciousness and bring us into altered perceptions hallucinogens which I mentioned already LSD PCP MDMA ecstasy and marijuana are the hallucinogens these affect your sleep do you know that we already have melatonin that releases through our body but yet we go to the store and buy melatonin. There's different levels of sleep, y'all. This I gotta release. I'm sorry, but if you gotta go, you could go. Thank you. We are in the prophetic activation in the prophetic intercessor praying class. Do you know that when you take melatonin over the counter, it skips your REM sleep, your REM sleep level, which is where your dreams and your prophetic visions come from. And what ends up happening is you miss a realm that we're supposed to fall into sleep in gradually because melatonin skips that whole zone. So there's no prophetic dreams. There's no prophetic visions from God. You miss a whole prophetic cycle in your sleep. See how God wants to talk to us while we're sleeping? That's so much he loves us. He knows the body has to rest. So we miss this whole REM, R-E-M, rapid eye movement, sleep time, which is the prophetic dream time. This is from scientists. And then when you take the melatonin and then you don't take it because it's the weekend or you don't need it anymore, do you know that your body still has to catch up for the sleep that you did not get, that you think you got well on melatonin? 
God will keep in peace those whose minds are stayed on him. God will keep in perfect peace those who trust and whose minds are stayed on him. I know some of y'all got to go and I'm going to go ahead and let you go. I'm going to release you without offense. But if you know there's a dependency in you and you are willing to come up here, I want you to come now. We're going to close out in prayer. And I'm going to ask those who have been delivered or who have broken the cycle of dependency to be the ones to pray for them. The Bible says that the strong bear the infirmities of the weak. I want you to come now. I don't care if it's Tylenol PM. I don't care if it's, what's some other stuff? Benadryl. NyQuil. Come on up here. The strong is going to bear the infirmities of the weak today. This is an apostolic church. And I wanted to have this dialogue today. I didn't want it to be lecture style where we're just telling you and telling you and telling you. And if you want to grab, if we have more up here than we have praying, I want you to grab two, three, four, put them in a circle hand to hand. And I want you to just go. You are released to begin praying for them. You heard scriptures today. You can pray those scriptures. But we've got to be the helpers of our brothers and our sisters. Not only are we fighting things in the spirit, we are fighting systems of this world that our natural bodies are no longer to provide for us what God intended them to do. Hallelujah. Come on up here, my brother. I saw you the whole time I was preaching. Can I have a high five? Bless you. How are you today? You good? Amen. Thank you, Lord. Who's going to pray with him? We're going to catch up? Come on, sir. Security going to have to cover you, Reverend. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, some of y'all addicted to sex. Get on up here. Some of y'all broke the addiction to sex. Come on up here and pray for somebody. Thank you, Jesus. I could have answered like three of them calls if I was down near myself today. Thank you, Lord. And if you haven't been prayed for, just stay. They'll come to you. Once you've been prayed for, you are released to go back to your seat. Father, I want to cover everyone under the sound of my voice, those are online, that those are in service, that they can be released today, Father, and that they will leave with an anointing upon their life and the crown of their head to the soles of their feet. Father, for those that are willing to stay in their seats and act as intercessors and make intercession today between the pews and the altar, we ask that, Father, we be moved by your spirit today and that you break every consciousness that is fighting about us being conscious in you, being sober-minded in you, God. We break today psychological dependencies. We break today physical dependencies. Father, we even break today dependencies on another human being versus our dependency in you. We love you, Lord. We come with no shame and no embarrassment. We come amongst our brothers and our sisters today, standing, as David said in the need of prayer. As those that need to leave, 
They leave from this place, but never your presence. I pray for a loving God, a merciful God to be upon them. In Jesus' name, amen. If you need to go, you are released. Everyone else, let's intercede. Let's make intercession between the pews, the porch, and the altar. Hallelujah. I hear you, Stephan. Come on, recovering it all. Come on, recovering it all. Tell your mind, I'm recovering. I'm recovering. Healing your heart. Healing your heart. Healing your mind on today. That who God has set free is free indeed. I pray sweet sleep for you. I pray even for the taste of your tongue to change from needing the sweet things in our diet to eating more of the healthy things in our diet. I pray for traumatic memories that sugar is amplifying, cease and desist at the name of Jesus. I pray for memories of the past, cease and desist at the name of Jesus. I pray for brokenheartedness, cease and desist at the name of Jesus. I pray for an undying, enduring love for God. Begin to well up in you in your belly and begin to have your heart flow at a different beat, at a different rate. I pray for recovery for you, recovery from all. I release the melatonin in your body to do what God had purposed it to do that you will not need things to sleep at night, that you will put on prayer music and be ministered to in your soul and your spirit that you may sleep in sweet rest. Traumatic memories, we bind you and we loose you to the footstool of Jesus Christ. And we are on new ground today. We are moving in new power today. We are walking in the might of our Savior, Jesus, Yeshua the Christ. Broken relationships that are still broken in our heart, I bind you. Matriarchal pain from your mother, I bind you. Patriarchal pain from your father, I bind you in the name of Jesus. And I loose the friendship and the Lordship and the Abba of God to every broken and wounded and lonely and devastated place in your life. From the crown of your head to the soles of your feet, I sow love. I sow unity with your mind and your heart. Unity with your mind and your heart. For this is the day, people of God, that the Lord has made, and we shall rejoice. Kevin, any regrets or regression in your life, I bind them all in the name of Jesus. I want you to make a list for me and I want you to write down all of the regrets and regressions that are in your life. They're not here, they're back there. And I want you to write them down. And I want you to take the time to acknowledge every single one of them. Don't dismiss it. Don't dismiss your feelings. Don't dismiss your experience. Acknowledge every single regret 
And then I want you to honor it. You know how I want you to honor it? I want you to give yourself permission to admit that you regretted this, that it hurt you. And when you release the regrets and regressions in your life, God is going to begin to heal you from the crown of your head, through every vein, every blood cell, every organ, every chemical, to the soles of your feet. And the infirmity that's trying to come at you will be released from your feet. But you got deep soul work to do. You got to honor and acknowledge you. Who told you you couldn't have that experience? Who told you that you couldn't feel that way about a situation? Who told you your feelings didn't matter? They matter. And psychologically, they're poison when we don't deal with them. Make the list. And if you want, then make an appointment with me. I'm going to give you two weeks. And I want you to bring that list. And we're going to some healing and deliverance. Amen? You want to be a miracle? You want to walk on water? Hallelujah. 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 Beautiful Jesus. Beautiful Jesus. Beautiful Jesus. All y'all who were able to stay, I bless God for you all. Look at the pews, still half full. People who are taking the time. Either you're receiving or you're giving. Either you're receiving something from this altar call or you're giving. In the name of Jesus. 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 Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. How are you doing? Look at me. How are you doing? Okay. Amen. Look at people in the eyes, Dixie. You're beautiful. And you're creating the image of God. You don't look down.